Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Mike. And I'm Marty. And this is Two Guys, A League, and Some Guests. Let's get it started. My goalie's still pretty good. Yeah, it don't matter. The numbers don't mean shit. It's wins, man. That's all that matters. So that team doesn't win. Team doesn't win. Well, we'll get we'll get into more of that. Would check my fanny and yeah. get into it with the, uh, the listeners yeah. and stuff like that. But yeah. I guess we can uh, pretty much uh, crank this son of a bitch up. Safe to say, we are on it now. So around the boards, and I thought so. I thought it'd be a good idea. Because I noticed for a trend for us, not that this was something that we had talked about. It was just something that was maybe a little bit easier. So far, three weeks in, we've done uh, all of our episodes where we've covered two teams each. I kind of wanted to broaden our horizon a little bit more. So I, I asked Mike to maybe let's try to you know speed things up a little bit, but then add a couple more teams to that. So Mike and I have decided to go each four teams deep, I think, one did you get two? One, two, three, four. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, I got. So the both of us. Four of them, yeah, we got a full slate for you today. Yeah. So, so without further ado, let's go right into it. I'm going to start with Washington. Now, and I the thing the thing about it, I, right on the top, I want to say, I actually I do really like Washington's organization. I always have um, a lot of history there. I do miss their old jerseys and things like that. Not the ones that the recent ones they brought back, the black ones with the eagle on the front. I'm talking about the red and white. Uh, and blue one with the stick and you know that old logo god damn it i just love that logo hits home for me um but anyways so i'm not sure there's enough talent the problem with washington is i'm not sure there's enough talent in that team to have a season that they can compete to not just make the playoffs but actually to be you know worrisome for other teams uh in other words to be able to, to be one of the top teams i don't think there's enough there so ov of course still serviceable he's got seven goals in 13 games but he can't do it all for for what is his 18th season with the team uh Kumper is doing his part um which is then this is where i'm kind of weirded out by this team because you go out and you take the time to get yourself a good goalie uh, a goalie who just won a cup a guy who can win you some games but at the very least he will give you a chance to win night in and night out and that's what he's there to do now the problem is is they didn't do anything else there's really there's no supporting cast outside of Ovechkin. Uh, Backstrom obviously out. Basically, what the whole season is that where is that where we're at with with Backstrom? Well, yeah. If he comes back, it's it's late. It's late in the year. I think it's Good somewhere Lord. right okay, around so the March, damage is done by that point. Anyway, March, so, perhaps. Um, so yeah, and I know they've got Strom, who they went out and got. It was, <laughs> it's not a big enough piece. Uh, Kuznetsov is only as good as his supporting cast. He can really elevate his supporting cast for sure, but there's just not enough of supporting cast for him to to elevate the rest. So for him right now, he hasn't even scored a goal in 12 games. Um, you know, Anthony Mantha is another one who it's, it's a nice complimentary piece, but there's nothing to compliment. So he's essentially the centerpiece. He's on the third line and he's supposed to be driving some offense there. I'm sorry, but there's not enough talent there for in within him to really drive a line for him to be the sort of centerpiece of that third line. It doesn't make much sense. There, there isn't really anything there. TJ Oshie really only shows up in the postseason. Um, so then what do you've got left? I mean, you've got a ragtag of Connor Sheary, I guess. Uh, Nick Jensen, who's actually uh, up at the top there for them on D. John Carlson's got an injury, but he's got six points and nine. So he's pretty good. Um, you know, but if you look through plus minuses, like it's just disgusting. 
I mean, I'm looking again, Lars Eller, Dmitry Orlov. These are good players, but there's just not enough pieces around them. These are complementary pieces that are just being used as centerpieces and nothing's happening. Um, so none of this, is it surprising? I Maybe it's a little bit surprising because I think we all just kind of took it for granted that Washington's always going to be sniffing around the playoffs and then, you know, something to contend with. So then when, he, when they went out and they got Kumper, maybe the feeling was like, oh, they got enough so that they can, once they do make it into the playoffs, they'll actually have a run because Kumper just came off of, of a cup. Well, no, I don't think any of that's going to happen. I think they're they're currently on the outside looking in, and I think they're going to continue to look uh, to be exactly there on the outside looking in. I don't see things changing for them anytime soon um, because, again, there's just not enough pieces there. They're, on, they're currently on a, is it three or a four-game losing streak? I see three, four. It's a four-game losing streak right now. And they're not necessarily getting blown out so there's there's hope maybe the coaching staff knows is doing enough with this team that they can still hold on to hope but i don't know i i I don't see this necessarily getting better for them their uh their november schedule gets a little bit tougher for them edmonton pittsburgh twice in tampa then florida uh, they get a break with St. Louis, but then Colorado and Philadelphia and Calgary and New Jersey to f- basically finish off November. They're going to finish November with a losing record, much like they did with in uh, in October. So at that point there, I mean, uh, is there much hope for, for, for Washington? Well, I mean, when you've got Backstrom out for a be- better part of the year, they've started the year without Tom Wilson. Uh, Carlson's on... Um, on uh, um, I'm not injured reserve, but he's on the shelf right now. Yeah. Um, who else they got? They went out and got Connor Brown from Ottawa um, over the summer to replace Wilson, knowing that he was going to be injured. And now Brown's gone for the whole year. <laughs> so, I mean, what you've got is basically a team. And when they went out and got Kemper, we all saw what management kind of had in their head there. I mean, it was a case where... They figured that they can still give this another go, yeah. uh, you know, kind of hold, hold, uh, you know, tread above water here until Backstrom and some of these guys get back and mm-hmm. hopefully you can make another run of the playoffs and see what you can do once you get in there. Yeah. The only, the only issue that I see in, and it's kind of echoing your sentiments as well is with these injuries, you just don't have enough in regards to the pieces that are, that are currently sitting there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this team, even if everybody was there, everybody was ready to go and humming and everything. I mean, you're in a very ultra competitive division in the Metro. Yeah. And on, t- and on top of that, you are an aging squad. I mean, yep. yeah, yeah, Ovechkin signed another five years, but I mean, let, let's call it what it is, folks. I mean, it's his last five years. This, this, <laughs> this, this is all about this is all about the chase for Gretzky here. Yeah. I mean, the reason the reason he signed that contract is because he wants to do it, and I, I don't blame him, and I certainly hope hope he does. I think he will. He will. Yeah. Um, but I, but I but I just think you're this current incarnation of the Washington Capitals. I do not believe has enough in any way, shape, or form to make the playoffs. No. Um, you know, they'll, they'll still be. Uh, I don't know if they'll be must watch. They'll be watched because people want to keep an eye on Ovi and see what he's doing. But this is going to be a bit of a tough year for this team, and I just don't see them making the playoffs when it's all said and done. Not at all, especially when you. You look so take Ovi out for this team, and you've got uh, was it three? One, two, three. Oh, four. Sorry, you got four players who have scored more, uh, who have scored four at least four goals <laughs> in the whole on the whole squad. Nobody's going scoring any goals, and that's why they've got their twenty eighth in the league in goals per game, sitting at two sixty nine. And their goals uh, goals against per game is actually pretty decent. It's, it's 285 sitting at 11th. 
So you know you did the right thing by going out and getting the goalie that you needed. But you're not if, – if you've got no – if you've got nobody putting pucks in the net, then what, what good is it? It's, it's basically a waste of a season for, for poor little Darcy. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I – left I, all alone, that's for sure. Yeah. But I, I, again, I, I do – I have love for the Washington Capitals. I do appreciate them, their organization, their history and everything. And I love Ovi. Um, I hope they can figure something out. I, it's maybe – I don't want to go and say, you know, get a new coach and, and that's all you need to do. It's like it's like the knee-jerk reaction, right? Maybe they just do need a little bit more time. We're only 12 games into the season. But at some point, you do realize that, okay, it's, you know, it's either it's too late to make a change or it's the right time. We need to do it now. Um, and I think – I honestly do think if they have any hope of making it to the playoffs, it's going to have to be sooner rather than later because nothing is translating to wins right now. Um, and again, it's not because – like it, when they're on the power play, even there – uh, they're 16th in the league, so they're right in the middle. So in theory, there's a chance that their offense could actually do something so long as they've got the right pieces together and everything's clicking. But once you spread that out and you got even strength and you land in the 28th spot in the league, you're not going no. anywhere. You can't win they're games gonna, like that. They, they will so. be hard up for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think the fact that they're, it's the division that they're in in, in uh, my eyes. I mean, you've got, Car- you got Carolina, the oh Rangers. And I mean, I'm sorry, I know Pittsburgh's been playing pretty pretty badly lately, but until they actually do go through a whole season where they don't make the playoffs. Yeah. I'm I'm not betting against them. I've nope. done that before and I'm not, not doing it again. Absolutely. Not. Um I, and I mean you've got other teams in there too so yeah. they're going to have their work cut out for them flat out yeah. and I don't know I just don't think that the uh the stars are going to line up for them this not year. Not so much, no. Uh so we'll keep moving right along and now this is Columbus. And now this is somewhat surprising in that I thought the acquisition of Goudreau would translate to more wins. So poking around the team, nothing much to report, really. <laughs> we can start with their best stat, which is their penalty kill, which is 78.9%. And that's good for 15th in the leagues, and that's pretty good. But that's not why you go out and go, <laughs> that's not why they went out and got Goudreau. They didn't go out and think to themselves, hey, let's beef up our penalty kill by getting Goudreau. So 50th in the league, that's good. You did, you're doing it on your own. But it's severely downhill after that. So goals for 31st in the league. Goals against 31st in the league. And in one of the most interesting stat and the most disappointing stat, it took them 12 games to score their first power play goal. And they sit currently at 6.5%. And as a result of this, is, it, is this a coaching thing? Is this um, it's a chemistry thing? Is it a goaltending thing? Is it all of the things? A bit of a bright side, I guess, is Kent Johnson's got uh, three goals and three assists in 11 games. But... That really isn't saying too much. Goudreau has five goals and nine points in 12 games. There's just nothing to chew on in this team. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think Goudreau himself really expected to come into this team and then just come flying out. And I get that. But you've got a good supporting cast. And I'm not really sure what's not clicking here because everything kind of makes sense from an offense's from an offensive perspective, um, I'll talk about the defense in a second. But from offensively speaking, again, we've got uh, Gujo and you've got Boone Jenner, who's also very good. Jack Roslovic, who's supposed to be doing a little bit more than this. Uh, Voracek, who uh, maybe I went into this season thinking that this was going to rejuvenate him a little bit. But I think the reality of it is that he's he's been on the downward side of his career for the last two or three years. So maybe this isn't surprising, sitting at one goal, five assists, six points in 11 games, and a minus seven. Um, Zach Wierenski, I honestly, I think he's a very good defenseman. Uh, but again, only two goals, four assists, and six points in 12 games. Um, but there's some nice pieces there. Gustav Nyquist is another one. 
There's some good pieces on this team. I'm forgetting to mention Patrick Laine, so long as he can stay healthy. Um, maybe that's the one thing missing. Laine comes back, and then this whole team sort of turns it around. But it's a bad formula when you rely, if that's really what, what it is. Once you miss one player, your whole team goes belly, goes belly up. That's not a good formula. That's not how you win games. That's not how you win anything. So I'm disappointed um, because, again, I expected this to be a better season for them because they did appear to have momentum, enthusiasm, and a good player in Johnny Gaudreau. I don't think I'm ready to point the finger at the goaltending situation, even though it's gaudy. It's the worst (laughs) goaltending I've ever seen outside of the 80s. But in the 80s, this actually would have been mediocre. Um, 481 goals against and 863 save percentage for Merz Lincolns, which is just, like I said, terrible. Uh, Corpusallo, which unfortunately I think he's another one who's been uh, bitten by the injury bug. Uh, He only played the one game so far, let him five goals. Um, They also have uh, Daniel and Tarasov, uh, one win and three losses, sitting at 357 and 893. So, Nothing about this is good in terms of their goalie situation. But this could very well be a horrible defensive structure. And this might be another situation where you need a better coach to come in and do something with a fairly decent team on paper. Um, Just not translating, for whatever reason, into actual wins. Because, oh boy, like I mentioned, like again, the thing that made me laugh, when I originally wrote up our show notes... um, they their power play, they hadn't scored in 10 games uh, on the power play and Jeez. ironically the one they got was against Colorado one of the better teams but they lost 5-1 um but still one power play goal is pretty pathetic so uh, to me personally the way you look at all these numbers and what it suggests is really a really bad system because these aren't bad players that i think they're just being used the wrong way well, i mean listen for me now I'm probably a little bit biased. I mean, I would have loved, uh, I would have loved Gujar to go to New Jersey or something like yeah. that. I mean, for, for for me, for me, this all started with the Gujro uh, signing, and to bring in Gujro, you had to get rid of Bjorkstrand, who was one of True. your, you know, he, he was a good glue guy. I'm I'm sorry, you're right. And you know what? He he's going to be great for Seattle, and you know we're going to get into them a little bit later as well. Um, but for me, as the the way the team is currently constructed, you've got Goudreau and you've got Liney, your big horses. Um, yes, you've got some nice pieces. I believe you've got Stillman there. You've got uh, Kent Johnson, uh, Johnson, sorry. Um, so there are some nice pieces. And of course, you just mentioned Daniil Tarasov in Nets. He's their yeah. future in Nets. So there are yep. some nice pieces there. The only issue, the only issue is, is you've got Liney and Gujar who are ready to go now, and you've got some of these young kids that are just kind of up yeah. and coming, and they're just not yeah. there yet. So you got a little bit of little bit of both worlds here. But in regards to the goaltending, it's been pretty horrific as uh, as yeah. a whole uh, so far this year. And I mean, yes, injuries are having. That's an interesting point you're bringing up, though. Like maybe. Maybe this is the plan all along, right? Like that's why they got the long-term contracts for these guys. And maybe that's the plan all along is to not worry so much right now and just give these kids some time. And uh, and maybe they're looking more at, uh, you know, two years down the road kind of thing well, they were, and not hit the panic button just yet. I, I'm sure they were certainly looking to turn a small corner, however b- big or small that was <laughs> uh, this year, but it yeah. certainly hasn't happened. And you know what? I'm going to... 
I, I don't mind Columbus. I actually think they play a decent, you know, yeah. brand of hockey. I, I like keeping an eye on, on what they're doing and what's going on. But yeah, there's just, there's yeah. something, there's, there's something up there right now. And I'm not quite sure what it is. I mean, like we're saying, they, it's not like these guys were, were contenders anyway. So yes, I mean, in all reality, we're still looking at future years here to really make our mark. But I, I do feel like management yeah. and the team and really the players, I think they were really hoping for somewhat of a small curb here, at least in the positive direction. It just hasn't happened as of yet. Small sample size this yeah. season so far. But, I mean, I, you know, and I was going to mention that with um, uh, um, Washington as Islanders? well. No, with Washington as oh, well. Oh, Washington, sorry, okay. How, I mean, you're coming up to the 20-game mark here, so if anybody needs to get on a heater, you got to start getting it done now because once that 20-game 20, 20 mark hits, you're kind of right around uh, American Thanksgiving, and if you're in, you're in. And usually if you're out, you're out. And so. if you're this far down uh, as the Washington Capitals and uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets are, like Capitals are 12th and Columbus is 16th. Uh, not much separating the two other than just two wins, really. Um, and in the goals for category, 35 to 30 in favor of Washington. And But this is, I mean, if this is, oh my God. If this doesn't tell you the kind of season that Columbus is having, and why they need a better defensive structure. I don't know what does. They've got 55 goals against already. They are leading the pack by a lot. Who else is even close? So 40 in Seattle, but at least they're winning. Um, You got 49 for Vancouver. So 61 in Anaheim. Oh, my God. (laughs) So there's, there's a couple issues out there with other teams too. But for Columbus's sake, like... I mean, right now I'm seeing they're on at one, two, three, four. They've lost five in a row. Like, there's just it's hard to get excited right now, which which sucks because they actually I've watched a couple of home games and my goodness, the energy in that I love the cannon. The whole I love that it was actually scaring Gujo out for a little while. <laughs> you had to get used to that. Um, I love their jerseys. I love I love a lot about this organization. I'm a big fan of the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think they can really hopefully have one of these it'd be nice to see them in the playoffs and do something really special there because the fans obviously deserve it but i just think as an organization they could do something really nice over there so hopefully they can turn this around probably won't be this year though probably not who knows who knows yeah uh moving right along carolina now this is carolina is a funny breed of of, they're a different type of team um, but they continue to be Carolina, basically. As I look over their team, nothing jumps out at me. There, there are, if nothing else, unspectacularly, unspectacularly consistent, which is, you know, like it or not, still wins you games. So, like, remember the Devils and the whole trap system? I'm not saying that's what Carolina is, but there's a parallel there that it, it kind of it gives me that parallel vibe. So it's, it's an interesting sort of con- concept with this team, with Carolina. Um, the goal per game, 10th uh, in goals again so it kind of evens things out but 24th in the power play and 16th in penalty kill means special teams need some help now that being said it hasn't affected their bottom dollar one bit they've only lost three games in regulation all season this isn't a team being carried by any one person necessarily they're sitting at so actually sorry i want to talk about their goalies for a second frederick anderson 272 goals against and a sub well sorry a an eight night a sub 900 891 save percentage is most likely not how he'll end the season but really he he kind of needs to turn this around he doesn't he doesn't like he does because he needs to win them some games he needs to do better than what he's doing but for whatever reason carolina doesn't really seem to need him and then actually don't need anybody that's the thing carolina is they're a team and if, if they're being carried by anybody, they're being carried by Brindamore. 
like Brendan Moore is constantly doing some some tweaks and some adjustments. He knows where to play place his guys against teams. He knows exactly what he's doing with his team. He's got his fingers on the pulse, and it makes sense every single night. Now, yes, Martin Nietzsche is having one hell of a season. 17.7 oh, goals, 10 assists. Love that kid. Cannot believe he's currently available in our oh, league. Oh, no, man. It, I is can't. What, it is what it is. Yeah. That's, that's slightly embarrassing for all of us. Yes, all eight is. of our owners are all idiots. <laughs> um, and then the rest, you know, Aho all the way down, uh, Svechnikov, Burns. Actually, Burns is fitting in quite nicely there. Um, but what's funny as you go through this, you kind of look at, at the list and then you're like, oh, well, geez, some of the bigger names are actually. In the minus, they're in minus one, minus one, minus two, minus three. But then you've got a nice rounded out with like a Brady, uh, pronounce his last name for me, S-K-J-E-I. How do you pronounce that? Brady Shea. Shea. That's pronounced Shea. Well done. Thank you. So he's sitting at plus eight. Like that's, it's one of those, oh, someone else is actually. Yeah, Brett, uh, another one. (laughs) Another defenseman. And Paul Stasny, you know, four assists, no goals. I know when he came in, People are like, oh, what a great pickup, you know, and he is, he's a great player. I don't know, I don't know if he's fitting in yet. Obviously not, maybe we can say that. Four assists, no goals in 12 games. I think obviously there's still lots of time. He's serviceable. There's still a point to having him on the team. But again, back to what I'm saying, this is this is all driven by Brindamore. Brindamore knows what to do with his team. He doesn't need certain players to do certain things. He can have them do other things. And he can still find a win on this for this team night in and night out because it's they're a team to be feared 100%. Anti Ranta has actually been a nice addition as well. He's actually doing very good for them at 242-905. Doesn't jump out at you again. And but again it all it pushes the point even further that this is about the team winning, finding ways to win, whatever they can do, being creative, thinking outside the box, and that's all because of the coaching staff. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but is Kurt Muller not there as well as part of the uh, the coaching staff as an assistant, a power play specialist actually, which I know they're suffering, but it's to point out again that they're collectively as a coaching staff, they're doing everything they can to milk everything out of each and every one of these players in the right moments. It's not a season long thing. It's just, I in mean, those for moments. me, Carolina, great team. I, I, I actually have them finishing first in the Metro. The thing that's completely surprising for me right now in regards to that team is the special teams. I mean, 24th in power play with that team. I mean, that that's going to correct. There's going to be a market correction there at some point. You got to figure. And they're pretty aggressive on on the penalty kill. So again, maybe it's just a small size and, you know, numbers right now are affected so much more, right? You have a one bad game and it affects your numbers a fair bit to start the year. So yeah, we'll see exactly. How that, so we'll see how all that comes around. But yeah, you touched on it as well. Anderson, some, you know, the, the peripheral numbers there are a little high. But again, yeah, like again, like you said, it's not like they need him to have a 2.02 and a 9.50 save percentage. They're going to put no. pucks in the back of the net. So, uh, you know, yeah. the, the thing for me is kind of like if if these guys are playing this well and they're, they're in the position they are now and they've got those special teams, can you imagine whenever that turns around? Like that's you the know, thing. yeah. So it'll it'll be interesting to see when they can kind of turn it on. They're able to buy themselves some time right now until they yeah. figure out all these little pieces. And like you mentioned right right there, where you said, well, you know, Anderson doesn't need to be good because he can put pucks behind the net. Well, sitting at 18th in the league, it doesn't sound like that's necessarily always going to be the case either. That's why I think I love how Brindamore is clearly driving the momentum of not just the season, not just the games, but every shift. Like, Brenda Moore is controlling the shifts. That's what this tells me. Because 
as a whole, they're not scoring that much. As a whole, they're letting in not that many goals. But if you look at their goalies, it would suggest something else. They're 10th in the league in goals against. So that's actually really good. They're in the top 10. And then their power play 24th, like I said, and penalty kill at 16th. There's nothing about these numbers that says this is why they're winning. All other than for me, when you really think about it, it must it has it's because Brenda Moore is fine tuning per shift, and he's really listening to his, his coaching staff and saying, okay, like who's coming on the ice? Okay, we need to do this. We need to shift here. We need to do this. You know, this guy's not playing that good tonight, or this guy's playing better. Let's do a, a shift on the fly, and that's to me why this team is being is another another year another season of them being in the conversation of the top five teams in the league and that's exactly what they are quite simply brindamore brings his playing days to coaching he does not let that team take a shift off i mean he never did as a player ever no i mean he was he was the model of that beast and absolutely and he's not going to let his team do it either so they're in Mm -hmm. good hands we've we've both been pretty big proponents of brindamore for quite some time now he's got that team playing as well as it can right now um i'm sure there's a few like we've said there's a few areas i'm sure he'd like to shore up but other than that uh it's going to be some adjustments for sure oh absolutely but i mean when it comes to uh, Caroline, I don't think there's too, too much to worry about in, uh, in regards to them making the playoffs and doing a little bit of damage. So That's right, it's yeah. just a matter of tidying, tidying a few things up, I think. For sure. Um, and I'm going to end with uh, the last team here. This is a team that's got a little bit of struggles. Um, maybe they've turned a corner. Um, <laughs> the help of Bo Horvat, Horvat, Horvat with that awesome shot <laughs> anyways i don't want to pick on him too much that's not nice i'm talking about nashville <laughs> so it's another team that i'm worried about but more importantly they're goalies so saros sitting at 312 and 904 is something we're just not used to seeing from basically mr dependable the iron man the guy who carries the load all season long and if he can't write this ship i think this team can basically kiss their season goodbye but it's not all on him, though. It would seem the only thing clicking for this team at the moment is their penalty kill as it's seventh in the league. But when you pair that with 28th in goals for, 19th in goals against, and 28th in power play, there's just no way to win games here. While Forsberg and Duchesne may have picked up their game recently, um, Yossi continues to regress from his monster season last year, but it's not all them as well. So it's it's really you need some scoring. There's five guys on the team with just twelve game in just twelve games with three goals or more, and the team leader has six. So it's when I say three goals or more, that's not a big ceiling here. There's just not enough offense being generated, and that's never good. And then when you combine that with the fact that Saros is having a really hard time in nets for whatever reason, he'll be fine. Eventually, he'll figure it out. He's just too good and done it for too long to really be too concerned. Um, But when there's really no offense, there's really nothing clicking, this team just can't win. So I don't know. At this point now with Nashville, I think really just continue to be patient. It's season still young, and there's, there's really no... No major red flags um, outside of Saros, really, I would say. Um, but I, I'm i a little concerned with this team just because I don't see enough that's been transpiring in the last few games. Again, the, the game against Vancouver, um, I believe they, they had to come back to win that. Poor Vancouver continues to have teams coming back <laughs> in the win. And to win it like that, too, like... 
Oh my God, that is a shitty way to win a game. I, even from a Nashville perspective, you must have even felt like a little bit like, oh, there should be an asterisk, an asterisk next to this win because I don't really fully believe in that. Uh, if you didn't see what happened in that game, folks, you should go have a listen to Bo Hovart. God bless him. He, he's been playing very good lately too. Um, but he uh, <laughs> had a little fumble with the puck. That's all. But uh, anyways, but Nashville, I think, can be better, should be better. Um, but we'll see. Time will tell. Still young. I kind of feel like Nashville, and we'll use an example of another team we just talked about. I kind of feel Nashville is Washington light. And what I mean by that is... Oh, nice. You've got some You got some pieces. There's some pieces. I mean, uh, you know, your Forsbergs, your Duchesne's. You mentioned them. Riosi in there. Yeah. I just... it, it is. There are some... some uh, some of those veterans that are getting a little bit up there in age, uh, it's, yeah. a, you know, this team was certainly faster three, four years ago, five years ago than it is now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I kind of think they're in a bit of a spinning their wheels kind of, exactly um, area right now. So it'll be interesting to see how that team, uh, kind of goes here over the next, I'd say 10 to 15 games. They've What's got funny is pieces. That- Go ahead. They got Go ahead. the pe- they got the pieces to get to the playoffs. They they yeah. have the pieces to get there. Will exactly. they get there with that though? Are are they going to do it? And that's what I find funny is that last year I didn't feel it was a surprise that they were where they were and I just feel like this season there was a there was another level for them to get up to and and start to do a little bit more. They actually went out and they got was it um oh where is he? Nita uh yeah, Nita Ryder. Um, and I thought that was a great, it was a really smart piece. Somebody who actually I thought fit well with Nashville, and it's a good spot for 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 him and for the team. And he's he's doing his part more or less. He's leading the team in goals with six in twelve games, but it, it's just not enough, right? Like the, the team does need a little bit more of a of a pickup. Like Michael Granlin for now, he's only got the one goal. Um, Ryan Johansson, who I think last year, if I can, if I can say this, had a bit of a rejuvenation. Um, I think he, I don't want to say he overachieved last year, but I felt like he took a step last year where I was like, Oh, this is kind of that extra step. We, we were hoping for you maybe three or four years ago, but it came now. That's fine. You're still young. There's still time. You could still, this could still be the kind of player you are. And I kind of felt like with the way things were falling and Duchesne's new contract, in fact, Duchesne had a really good season last year, Forsberg, obviously, and Yossi as well. I was like, okay, this is actually a really nice core. I can see Nashville being someone to seriously contend with. And then you go out and you get a Niederreiter. This makes a lot of sense now. And then you got Tanner Janot, who was actually had a very good season last year. Eli Tolovanen, another player too. Like, There's some very good pieces in here, some young enough pieces and old enough pieces to sort of balance all of that and to have a good core and for this whole team to be someone to – for a team to be considered year in and year out – serious contenders every year. I just, I, I, I don't know what's going on right now. Were they not? Yeah. They were one of the teams that actually took off to Europe, right? The beginning of the season. It was them and that it was them in um, San Jose. So I, yeah, and I wonder, so. so I think the, the rust or the, 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 the jet lag from that is definitely off at this point now, but it's funny that that's actually sort of, I, I have a theory in, 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 or a conspiracy theory, actually, it's better to call it that, that when you do ship these teams off and they come back, it takes them a little bit longer to sort of readjust. Now at this point now, it's maybe a little bit beyond that theory. Um, I'm just going to have a quick look at what they're doing recently. Cause yeah, again, they beat Vancouver. Okay, and they beat Calgary four to one, 
And they lost to, yeah, they lost to Edmonton 7-4 before that. So it's not like for a lack of trying. They got four goals, but they let in seven. So once Saros, I think once Saros kind of figures out whatever it is he needs to figure out, I think they'll be okay. I think they're starting to turn things around and things are starting to get better. Because again, like I mentioned at the top of this, Forsberg and Duchesne seem to have turned things around. They're starting to play better. They're starting to click more. You're starting to see that in the stat sheet. So maybe this is where things start to turn around for them. And that goal... Again, that game against Vancouver, a bit of a <laughs> whatever. It works out for Nationals. It works out in their favor. For them, you're certainly going to have to turn it around here over the next little while. And yeah, I do agree with you. I think when Saros kind of settles down, I think things will kind of be a little bit better there. Um, hey, I, you know, they, they like I said, they've got the pieces. It's just a matter of kind of getting everything lined up right now. And I don't know yeah. if it's just because you got some new players or whatever the case may be. But hey, yeah. it's... Uh, it's the NHL. Welcome to it, and you have a goal. Have a goal because <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's going to be a rough ride. The only thing yeah. that I think that may benefit them is their their, um, their division in the Central. It's not exactly a murderer's yes. row right now either. So no. you got you got, <laughs> no. you got you got Colorado, and you got a couple of other teams. Minnesota's probably up there, but. Uh, after that, it kind of falls off a bit. Actually, Winnipeg is probably up there too, not doing too bad right now. Yeah, but those are some teams so. with their own set of issues as well, kind of similar to Nashville. Exactly, there's, yeah. There's not many teams in that division other than Colorado that can actually say that they've got shit figured out and you do need to be mm-hmm. concerned with them. Outside of that, everyone seems to be working out some issues. So, you know, a good opportunity for a team like a Nashville or a Minnesota, but in this case, we're talking about Nashville. Um, it's an opportunity for Nashville to sort of seize the moment and build a lead if you can. But if because, like we mentioned, they're actually one of those teams that are struggling, unfortunately, not capitalizing on that moment. Come on, Nashville. Do better. <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and take over? And I know this first team, these are <laughs> your babies. <laughs> oh, yes, guy. The New York Islanders. Yeah. You knew it, folks. Yeah. You knew it was coming. Absolutely. So listen, we all saw the rough start that they had last season with the 13-game road trip. Of course, they were decimated in the month of uh, end of October into November. And I believe beginning of December, they were just decimated by the COVID related issues. So, I mean, listen, the Islanders are showing us their true colors and they're actually doing it with a bit of an uptick in offense to boot. So the Isles currently true. sit fifth in the ultra competitive Metro division. And that that's what I'm saying. That Metro is just yeah. a murderer's row right now, man. Yeah. So they're sitting fifth there. They're 16th overall with a seven and five record. They, uh, while owning the 12th rank offense in the league with 41 goals for, so any team coached by Barry Trotz is going to have a defensive identity, and that has certainly continued under new coach Lane Lambert, as the Islanders are ranked fifth defensively, allowing 30 goals against. Special teams are a little bit night and day, though, Marty. Um, the Isles struggle on the power play, which they have for a, a fair Couple number years. of years. They never <laughs> seem to be that, that great on the yeah. power play. Um, they're 29th overall at 13.5, yet they do have the league's third-ranked penalty kill at 90.5. So. Wow. It kind of balances things out nicely there. Uh, much of the team's success obviously can be attributed to the superb goaltending of Ilya Sorokin. He sports a 5-3 and three record right now with a 2-12 goals against average and a 9-33 save percentage. Man. Uh, I mean, keep, keeping in mind the goaltending and the defensive side of things, going back to that uh, uptick in offense, uh, you got Nelson Lee and Barzal. Barzal actually has zero goals as of November 4th. Um they're all they're all at or um or over a point a game so far this year. So that's a little bit different coming from the Islanders. Uh so if you're looking for the definition of a team concept, in my eyes, the Islanders True. are it. Like this is a team I mean, you got Barzal. 
That's it. That, that and 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 I don't even know if you can call him a star. I mean, he, he had an eighty point season in yeah. his rookie year, and he hasn't ever hit that That's again since. So yeah, he's your offense. He's your offensive dynamo. But you're. This is totally getting done by a team concept yeah. right now, man. I mean, and I even I even put a side note that and they they had beaten some pretty excellent teams here over the last little while too. They beat the Rangers twice, the Avalanche, true, the Hurricanes, and the Blues as well. So it's not like they're beating up on uh, nope. bottom dwellers here. So you know what? Uh, everybody knows how I felt about my Islanders. <laughs> It, I think it may still be tough for them to get it done. I know, and I don't think it's going to be because of their play. I think it's going to be because of the division. So if they yeah. do miss out, I think it'll be the, the the division alignment more than anything else that'll uh, that'll kind of uh, keep them a step back. Yeah, and you're 100 percent right. That division is a real team killer. It's a, it's actually a momentum killer even at times. But uh, it's nice to see that they're for as much as they may not necessarily be killing it in offense they're definitely doing from new york Islanders standpoint they're definitely doing it a lot better this year and like you said it is well spread because if you look top to uh, top to bottom you got one two three four five six seven eight nine you got nine players with three or more out of 12 which is a big deal for new york islanders and their goal scorer leader right now is anders lee at six and that may not jump out at the page at you again with having, you know, it's three goals in 12 games. That's really not that much. But again, for this team to have that spread out like this so early, it's nice because I do think eventually, obviously, Brazil, Barzal, sorry, he'll actually start to score some goals. And it, it should be a fairly decent season for him because while he hasn't scored any goals, he does have 11 assists in 12 games. And there, from what I can see right now, there's only one player who's in the negative. So, so long as they can keep whatever it is they're doing as a team going defensively, there will be no issues. And offensively now, it seems like it doesn't matter. Someone's going to step up in that game night in and night out. And they're like, you can have any random player at any given moment score a hat trick. And that's all you need in that game kind of thing. And that's what they have. They've got, they've got that balanced thing out there. And I keep forgetting that Zach Parise is actually still playing right now. And he's got four goals. So good for him. That's good. He's a good player. Listen, I, everybody knows how I feel about the Islanders. I think they have a great team concept. I think that they can get it. I think they can get it done. They may need a little bit of luck in that division, but we'll see how it all plays out here. It's been a be- way better start to the year this year. Than <laughs> right, yeah, for year, sure. For yeah. sure. Oh, this next team. up, St. Louis, St. Louis oh. Blues. Speaking of the blue, speaking Thank of the God. blues, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're feeling pretty damn blue right about now because. The season started out really promising. Three straight wins out of the gate. They were playing really well, and then they hit the skids. Uh, they haven't they haven't won in six straight games. They certainly haven't looked good in doing so, which is the, the more worrisome part yeah. to me. Uh, currently sitting last in the entire league record wise with a three and six, uh, while also owning the league's thirty second ranked offense with only twenty one goals for. This team's going to need to find their their scoring touch soon, or it's going to be a long year. The defense hasn't helped much either with the uh, with the uh, ranking of 20th overall, 35 goals against. The strongest numbers are coming from the power play, which is clicking at 25%. It's 10th overall in the league, but that is somewhat negated by the 76.2% penalty kill, which is 22nd overall. On top of all of that, for me personally, the most concerning issue would be the play of Jordan Binnington who is at three and four with a 340 goals against average and 879 save percentage with no safety net this time around in Mm -hmm. Uso. This guy is going to need to find his game. End of story. I mean, it's either that or you have one hell of a buyout because if I'm not mistaken, 
he's got four to five years. I believe he's in it. He's he's in the second year of a six-year yeah. contract. So this would be, he would have four more after years after this, this one. one. Yeah. And, and uh, dude, like, I don't listen, get it. Everything what happened? Is, everything is there for this player to be able to turn things around. He's got a decent team in front of him. It's a, def- it's a, a uh, more than decent defensive core in yeah. my eyes. I, I, they've just lost their way right now. I mean, six straight losses out of the St. Louis blues. Yeah. Like, you know, if the blues have been nothing else, they, they've been consistent. <laughs> like they, 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 they've been consistent oh over the years. God. And, and this is just throwing, and this is just throwing you right off. Like this team and the next team I'm talking about, they're surprising me for different reasons. And St. Louis is surprising me for all the wrong reasons there's, right now, man. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. There's so many disappointments on this team right now as it stands. When you look up and down this lineup, you really sort of have to scratch your head. I know there's been some injuries. I know there's, gonna, there's been some things in the way. Um, but right off the top, Ryan O'Reilly, one goal in nine games, and that's his only point. Yeah, Jordan man. Cairo, what yeah, are you doing? Not good. Three goals, no assists in nine games. I've, even Ivan Barbashev. Happy I traded him. What's that? I'm happy I traded Dude, him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, at the time Cairo. it felt bad. Yeah, no. absolutely. But yeah, not yeah. so much. And then, but then, like at least your top guys, who are supposed to be your top guys, although Justin Falk, bit of a surprise there. But that's like when you get a surprise Ooh. season out of somebody like a Justin Falk, who's ten points in nine games. You know, this should be. Could you imagine if everybody else was clicking at the same time? And on top of that, throwing a Justin Falk who's going to have a career season. Like, holy shit, this would have been a really dangerous team had you had that sort of in last year's perspective or actually, no, two years ago. But when I look at this, and I don't know if this is, I don't know why I continue to go to some weird conspiracy theories, but what's very weird is the fact that St. Louis has only played nine games. Whereas you've got some teams who've played 14, but on average, they've played 11, actually, no, closer to 12. Um, Is it like maybe it's a a slow start to their schedule that's got them sort of holding back a little bit? There's when they get a bit of momentum, it Mm -hmm. gets taken away because they got two or three days off in between games. Like maybe that's what's going on. And maybe they just need to get into a bit of a a heftier schedule where they need to dig in a little bit harder. Cause this is, this has always been a team that's in my opinion, anyways, that felt like it it has grit. It has, you know, that's what, how they play. They dig in a little bit and without having the opportunity to keep that digging in momentum going for them, they can't, they can't ride with it. There's nothing to sort of latch onto and sort of ride with. So maybe that's what's happening. Maybe they get, they need to have their schedule all of a sudden become kind of intense and then they need to really dig in and then they'll find themselves again and they'll, everything will be all right. But there is a huge, huge question mark with Bennington. Because uh, since last year, as we all know, he lost the starting job to, uh, to Huso and, and that did not work out well for him at all. Um, but then he came back in the playoffs, right? And he started to play better in the playoffs. He was actually one of the reasons why they were actually able to do something in the playoffs. And then he came out pretty strong at the beginning of the season. But then out of nowhere, um, I don't, I, I don't, I can't pinpoint what it is for him. 
it's got to be psychological because his game still seems to be there. He, again, he came out—he came out of the gates pretty good. He's already got a shut at this season, so it's not like he—it's not like for a lack of trying. In fact, I talk about him a little bit later. We'll go deeper into the numbers, but for St. Louis, I think as a, as a fan, I think you should hope for your schedule to suddenly turn around and get a little bit more intensive because I think that's where St. Louis starts to do well, better. We always talk about the players being in a rhythm, right? Well, what about the schedule? So you made a really good point there in regards to the schedule because I do think once that they start getting into a little bit of the rhythm because there've been I think there's been two or maybe even three weeks so far where they've only had two games in that, that particular week. So, uh, so two weeks at least three yeah. and four games yeah. that particular week or in seven day period, you start getting into a play one night off the next, play one night off the so you kind of get start getting into a rhythm as a player, but not only that, you're actually your actual um schedule team schedule is actually getting into a better rhythm anyway at least at the very least better than the start of yeah. the year so well it's funny you should say it because look at their schedule right now so the next two games are gonna be difficult boston and philadelphia but after that you got san jose vegas gonna be hard too in colorado and then chicago washington doubled up with anaheim so and these are all 10th 11th 14th 16th 17th 19th 21st 23rd 25th 26th 28th these are all games back to back to back to back yeah. really close so i think hopefully this is where as a team like we're mentioning where they get to dig in a little bit and catch some momentum and start working off of that because this is a good team there's no reason for this record for this team right now it's a bit it's a bit of a question mark for me for sure so uh hopefully this uh this november schedule is better for them well they better get it going pretty soon here i'll tell you that much (laughs) moving on to the next team here Seattle Kraken, and they are surprising mm. me for the completely different reason yeah. that St. Louis is. They've come out of the gate really, really nice. I've had a really solid start to the year. Uh, they sit third in the Pacific Division right now with a respectable seven, uh, sorry, seven four and two record. The offense has certainly been there to the tune of a seventh overall ranking in the league with forty five goals for. Uh, they will, however, need to work on the defensive game. But we we always knew that, though. I mean, this is. This team, as you can see, the way it's constructed right now, got a little bit more offensive punch than kind of defensive, uh, you know, stalwarts, if you will. Um, I mean, yeah. they're 23rd in the league right now, giving up 40 goals against. So it needs to kind of settle that down a little bit. The power play has been quite a boon for them, though, as the team sits seventh overall league wide at 26.1. Uh, they are going to need, again, to work on that uh, defensive side of the puck here as their uh, penalty kill is 24th overall at 73.8. Um, this is another roster that's getting some really balanced scoring, buddy. Uh, 12 players having yeah. seven or more points. That is really, really balanced, man. Uh, can they keep, yeah. can they keep it up? It's certainly going to be a challenge without having their starting net minor and Grubauer who's, who's injured. Um, listen, Jones has been playing well, but if I'm being honest, yeah. we have seen this story before in San Jose yeah. and he can do it for s- small spells and he can actually do fairly well for in, in a small, a small yeah. spell, five, 10 games. But if he has to really yeah. carry the load here, yikes. I just, I let's, and let's not get too enamored with what he's done already. He's yeah. still sitting at 901 save percentage. It's not that great. And the only other thing that you're going to want to keep an eye on here with this team is the Shane Wright situation. I have my personal opinion. Oh, yeah. I think he should have gone right back down to the minors, dominated, go to the world juniors, dominate there, dominate, dominate, dominate mm-hmm. for the next year. You go back, you got all this confidence in the world. You, you hit the, uh, the training camp running. Good to go. But, I mean, as far as the team and the organization and where they're at in the second year, this is a really good spot for them, Marty. They're doing really well. Absolutely. Yes, defensive side of uh, the defensive metrics, both penalty killing and their defensive game itself, uh, need uh, need to improve. But you know what? 
if I'm a Seattle Kraken fan, I'm pretty happy with what's going on right now. Yeah, the the trajectory of this team right now is actually very positive. I, I don't know that I would say last year was really a step in the right direction for them. I felt like last year kind of felt like I, at best it was a lateral move. I didn't see much progress last year. I didn't feel like this team was necessarily doing anything. In fact, we did talk about it a little bit last year. This year, some of the moves that they've done are clearly working out for them, um, i.e. Andre Burakovsky. What a great fit for him. Um, I, I think this is exactly the kind of situation he needed to be in. Not that it was a bad situation in Colorado at all. He was very he had a role to play in Colorado and it was great. I feel he's the kind of player that does even that has a couple other steps to take and he just needs to be given that opportunity. And what better place to be given that opportunity than on a fresh new team? He's clearly leading the leading the charge there. Ten points in thirteen games, you know, not blowing the doors out, but he's there to do his thing. He's being allowed to do his thing, and it's translating into points for him and wins for the team. Because this like this suggests for Burakovsky somewhere in the neighborhood of close to 70 points in the season, which would be a career year for him. And that's that would be amazing. That good for him and good for the team. As a whole, you're right. It's <laughs> I the biggest question mark is what will happen in Nets even with Grubauer coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he comes back maybe in uh, it's in November I believe, eh? It's uh oh yeah, somewhere around the 8th. So he's not far off. <sighs> What's funny about Grubauer is that he was really he appeared to be really good before he got to Seattle and then pfft, shit the bed first <laughs> as first as soon as he could do it. Um and now now that this team is a little bit better in front of him can he do something about it? So the, the ball's entirely in his court. It's up to him on whether or not this will translate to a better season for him and hopefully a better career in Seattle for him. Um, I, I don't know. Too small of a sample size. Apparently, he's played four games. I'm looking at the stats right now. I don't even remember him playing four games. He's got one loss and one overtime loss. Um, doesn't start out great, but who knows? Hopefully when he comes back, he feels healthy enough uh, uh, to really sort of do something special in in, uh, in Seattle because I love this team and I love the direction they're going in. It's just they do need to round out a couple of their edges. Side note for the uh, Seattle Kraken, I, I really loved in the offseason the pickup of uh, Burakovsky. You mentioned him and uh, yeah. and Bjorkstrand. We just talked about him uh, yes. in regards to uh, Columbus there a little early. And the, the reason why I like that is, look, you're a t- it's a team that you're not a contender or anything like that, but you do want to insulate some of these up and coming players, younger players that you have coming up. And those two players are perfect for that. I mean, you're not paying, uh, you know, first line dollars for either one of these guys. You're getting them on some good contracts. They're really good pros. So, you know, I think it goes a long way to helping the team to what they're doing right now when you acquire guys or you go out and get guys like that. And again, it doesn't have to be the the big splashy uh, signing. It could just be somebody who's going to fill in on a second line, maybe even a great third line player, whatever it is. In, in this case, it was those two players. And I think they made great moves in picking up those two guys over the summer for sure. Absolutely. And, there's, and that's the funny thing about this team. There's a, I, I look up and down this list and I see a lot of teams, a lot of, or sorry, a lot of names that really, I just there's something about them really like Jaden Schwartz is another one, um, Jordan Eberle, Jared McCann, uh, even Brandon Tanev, who's actually having a really good year, eight points in 13 games. There's and Yanni Gord too, he's another one as well. These are all players that are dedicated to playing the game the right way, and they and they they they'll buy into the system that the coach wants to set up and, and do well. These guys are 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 really good players to sort of build around. Now, like you said, like maybe a Maddie Berniers or uh, Shane Wright can actually have that next level that really 
finishes off what those players bring in. And if those two players and maybe a couple other ones can step into that all-star role, look out, man. Seattle Seattle will be a team to really struggle with for, from, a, from a regular season perspective and maybe even the playoffs. I'm not suggesting that for this year. I'm just saying the future looks very bright for this team as constructed. As it turns out, Ron Francis knows a little bit about hockey, so good for them. And moving right along with my last team, sorry, Joel. Vancouver Canucks. So what a miserable way to start the year, man. Winless in their first six games. They continue to struggle and find ways to lose hockey games as they have had multi-goal leads in eight of their 12 games with only three wins coming out of those 12 games. So Vancouver's getting... Okay, when I say they're getting it done, they're they're at points in many of these games where they're leading they're leading by multi goals mm-hmm. like i just said they they've had multi goal leads in 8 of their 12 games guys Good God. so somewhere along the line that there there's there's just a, a wall or a block or whatever the case is right now and i'll tell you what like i mean the canucks are sitting 31st overall uh with a 3-6 and 3 record which is quite indicative of how, how things have gone in Van City so far this year. Yeah. Offensively speaking, they rank 11th overall with 41 goals for, whereas their defense ranks 29th with a total of 48 goals against. <laughs> the power play is the bright spot for this team, yeah. as they are humming along at 30.2%, um, uh, percent, which is good for third overall in the league. Their penalty killing, however, is a league low of sixty point five, like like which is completely completely unacceptable, man. Um, Peterson, Horvat, Miller, uh, Kuzmenko, and Hughes are at or very near point point per game status so far, but this roster is going to need to pick up their defensive game in a hurry to even have a chance at making the playoffs. I mean, I know they just went out and got Ethan Bear. Hopefully, that can hold them tight for a little while until they get some of these injuries back. But man, like I, I I didn't see this out of Vancouver. Like I, I didn't see them like winning a division or anything either, but man, like it was getting kind of painful towards the end of that, that losing streak there at the beginning of the year, because you could see that there was, there was a mental block. There was something mental that just, they weren't able to get over the hump. I mean, at one, the, the last couple of games there of that that losing streak, I mean, Christ, uh, Boudreaux didn't even know what to say to the media. So yeah. it, it's it, it's a bit of a tough go out there. They, I have to think that, I don't know if they can turn it around playoff-wise, but I do think this team can turn it around. I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. You got Thatcher Demko, an elite goaltender, a uh, top 10 goaltender at the very least. Yeah. Um, I just named off, you know, easily five, six players there, Peterson, Horvat, Miller, Kuzmenko, Hughes. So you've got your horse on defense. You've got at least one solid scoring line there. I mean, to me, this team should be way better off than what they are right now. I don't, I don't know where that would place them league wide division, whatever, but I just think that this team should be in a much, much better spot right now. Um, We talked about Miller a little, a couple of weeks back. He just needs to do what he was doing last year. Just get out there, score like you are a scorer. Yeah, you're not a plugger. Yeah. So get out there, score. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Just I don't want to hear it. Just let let's go. Let's get the job done. So they've got their work cut out for them over there, and we we've mentioned it before in passing as well. 
Bruce Boudreaux is not that management team's hire. So who knows? Who knows where that goes? Is that something that is going to change this year, early next year? Over the, we, we just don't know. But some consistency would be nice for sure. I think lately they've been playing better. I do think that they're actually turning a corner and they're looking better down the road for sure. Because um, if you well, it's like three games, three or four games, yeah, yeah. So like, so there's nothing that that necessarily jumps out at you when you look at their numbers and uh, sorry, out outside of their penalty kill, which. It is pretty atrocious, but Colorado isn't sitting much better there. So Vancouver is the worst in the league, obviously, uh, sitting at 60.53%. But Colorado is actually, um, so then it's Anaheim and then it's Colorado. But Colorado is at least at 70%. So two teams above Vancouver is already a full 10% above them. So yes, that is a major problem for Vancouver. They're going to have to fix this sooner rather than later. But this is mental. I'm sorry, but this is this is in their heads. When when this started to happen and they started to lose games where they clearly should have won, they had too big a lead to lose. They had no business, and they're st- they're, and they're still doing it. They did it with Nashville, and it, and the thing is, is that never really goes away. In a in a whole in an entire 82 game season, you're going to have multiple games like that. I get it, but when you have them consistently. Early on in the season, that gets in your head and that gets in the dressing room and that becomes a problem. So, yes, that then falls onto the shoulders of the the leaders in that squad. Is JT Miller saying the right things? I don't think he is. Uh, there was at one point he made a quote out there that, he, like you said, he should have just kept his mouth shut and just do the thing you're there to do, which is score goals. He's got 7 out of 12, which is great. Um, Horvat obviously leading the team with 10 and 12. We'll talk about him a little bit later. Uh, Pedersen's got 5 and 12. you got another guy, uh, Kuzmenko. Like I, sorry, Kuzmenko. Very good pickup. 7 goals for him as well. There's a lot of goals and a lot of love to be to be spread around with this team. So it's not for that. And it's not for lack of trying either. Like this team is actually doing the best they can because there's not that many players who are necessarily too deep into the negative either. So as a whole, this team is playing basically pretty good hockey. It's just there's something about towards the end of the game when they've got a lead. Now it's mental. Now it's in your head when you've got that lead and you're pushing into the third period you start to second-guess those passes. You start to second-guess, should I take this shot? You start to second-guess things, and now you're ruining your own game. You should just play your game the way you know how to play it and just stop thinking so much about it. You know, what the hell do I know? I've never coached an NHL team before. Brujo should know better than I do, and he does. And I do think this gets sorted out, and I do think they've turned a corner. But if they haven't, something's going to need to be done pretty quickly, and I don't think it's the, it's the skaters, the players who are on the ice. I really don't because there's nothing wrong with the way they're playing. They're doing all the right things. Just some mental things that need to get out of the dressing room that I don't know how you clean up necessarily. you got to shut it down in the third period. Yeah, well, I mean, with I, those. Yeah. I mean, easier said than done, right? Sometimes it's just one of those things Absolutely. where – it's just one of those things that just lives in your head and, and, you, and there's no rhyme or reason for it. And in your mind, you're thinking, I guarantee you, we're going to fucking blow this. And sure enough, there it is. Well, maybe it's just because that, that's how you're playing it too. Like Because you're thinking about it, you're sort of playing to that. I don't want to screw it up, so don't make that pass or don't take that shot. No, just play your game. Don't think about screwing up in the third period. Just think about playing your game. What is the third period? Be here now, not 10 minutes from now, not once the game is over, not my God, we can't blow another lead. Not, oh my God, what are they going to think when we head back home because we're on the road right now? No, be in the third period right now and just play your game and 
everything should be fine. <laughs> oh, there's too much skill on this club to not to not turn things around here at least a little bit anyway. So yeah. I, I got to figure that they're you know and and they've started. I mean they're better better off the past three four games here like we mentioned. But yeah, exactly. You know, we're going to need to you need to kind of keep this going. Yeah. And unfortunately, in terms of teams, I think we're going to shift gears. So we're going to CFHL. We're going to do my check my fanny in a second because uh, I don't have anybody on my team. And we're going to have to talk about that. But before we do that, we're going to take a little break for a word from our sponsors. NFL Sundays are only getting better. And so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and point totals. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is your go-to when betting in the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use the promo code THPN, and place a $5 pre-game Moneyline bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And we're back. Here is check my fanny. Your fanny? Our fanny. Check our fanny. Check Should we change we're, it to check our fanny? We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're checking somebody's fanny. Somebody's I fanny hope it's our own, out. but it is anyway. Ours. Yeah, it is definitely Jesus. ours. Yeah. <laughs> my Lord. So, you know what? In another in a high-scoring affair this week, the Royals continue to set oh. the pace offensively with yet another impressive week Frig off, the Scott. Buccaneers. With a score of sixty-six to fifty-five, man, your dad must just be beside himself. Fifty-five points up for the week, and you lose. And he was leading early on too, a sizable lead. And then there was that one. That was that one game where was it this week? The one where he broke. Yeah, twenty-six points where he broke some sort of record. We didn't really necessarily count it as a record, but it is now because he had. More Scott had more points. The Royals had more points in that one night than three other teams, my team being one of them, um, for the whole week up leading up to that point. But uh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's all good. I mean, we're, we're all kind of looking up here in regards to uh, Scott and his scoring. So let's see if we can all keep up. Um, speaking of keeping up, the Demons are going to have the work cut out for them to keep up because they were not able to find the win column this week as they fall to 0-4. They remain the only winless team this season. Uh, losing to the Apocalypse, 52-38. to 38. Mm. Uh, The next matchup, the Brigands were able to hold off the Pawn Hogs amid the team's scoring slump by a score of 43-37. to 37. And lastly, myself and the Dragons, uh, we remain undefeated on the year by taking down the Cougars by a score of 55-40. to 40. So what you currently have right now in regards to standings, you've got the Dragons at first at 3-0-1. You have the Royals in second at three and one uh, due to points four. Next up would be the Brigands at three and one as well. Uh, and then I believe you would have a, the Apocalypse at two, one and one. The Buccaneers at two and two. Uh, the Pawn Hogs at one and three. And then the own four Demons um, in last place so far this year. So uh, we continue our weeks again this week. Uh, big week. I'm not sure who has the biggest week this week. Um, in, in terms of how would matchup. you how would quantify the biggest week? Well, in regards to like what the biggest matchup would be this week. Okay. So uh, just check. Just I'm playing against my schedule. I'm, just, I'm playing against the apocalypse. Uh, so that's kind of a big one for our division. Uh, one of us is going to come out. Actu- that 
That would probably be one of the bigger games this this uh, this week, actually. Yeah, it would be you and uh, and your brother. So the Brigands in the Apocalypse are probably the marquee matchup this week. Uh, somebody will continue to rise up the standings in the Howe Division, mm. where somebody else will be a little bit stagnant. Um, we've got uh, we got the two newest or the two. Um, uh, well, I want to say the two newest uh, teams, but there wouldn't be the two newest teams. But you got the Royals and the Pawn Hogs that are gonna um reacquaint themselves so it'll be interesting to see if uh, scott can maybe avenge that loss to the pawn hogs this year and wouldn't that be we'll interesting see. though right in a season like this where scott really runs away with every game that for whatever reason every game he faces jason he would end up getting like just cleaned up like it didn't matter that, pawn hogs own him for the season that would be that would be beautiful that would be very nice i'd be okay be with that thing. yeah that's right well, I think I think you and I would be quite okay with that. So, Just kind yeah. of calm down there, Scotty, with the scoring there. Twenty six point nine and shit. And that's and, and, right, so, and that's one right. of the things I want to mention too is that, like, just the fact that how quickly he's been able to kind of run Turn away with no, not necessarily that, but yes, you're right. But I the way the way he's kind of already run away with the points for category. Now, I give a lot of credence to the points for and points against, and I've actually talked about this a few times before. Where I I thought I wish there was a way we can make the points for and the points against somehow work into this into the standings and i don't know how to make that make sense and it really doesn't it's a very difficult thing i've been thinking about it for years and i still can't to this day because there's something to be said for points for and points against and by that i mean i'm three and one and it's funny because i'm this is a shot against me i'm three and one which sounds like a great record i'm actually tied for i i guess second overall um in the in the entire league so there's what am i complaining about well the fact of the matter is i've got one 145 points against me whereas scott's got 169 so that's a whole 30 almost 30 points more um you as an example you've got 150 156 so that's not much of a difference between us two but my points four i'm nowhere near i'm 58 points behind scott um, I'm 30 points behind you. Like I'm no, I'm nowhere near the top when it comes to points four. Yet I'm at the top because I'm winning when it matters. And sorry, I, that's not even right. Too, it's not that I'm winning when it matters. Is that the play? The teams I'm playing against aren't playing well when they're playing against me. That's all that means. It's not. So another another word, I'm not earning these wins. I'm banking on your team being shit in order for me to win because it's not like I've run away with any of my wins. I think I may have run away with the first, my first W and that was it. After that, it's been relatively close. And by close, I mean within 10 points and 10 points is actually pretty close. Well, I mean, the nice thing for your squad is like I, like I mentioned in the write up, your team is definitely going through a scoring slump. I'd say over the past, like comparatively to other teams, Uh, or the or or top teams, whatever myself, Joel and and Scott in regards to scoring. Um, it, 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 listen, uh, you're you're getting the W's and you're having soft weeks. So yeah. hopefully your guys start to kind of heat up a little bit, yeah. and then there isn't so much of an issue there. So there's there's that way of looking at it as well. Sure. But man, oh man, like it's starting to get you know kind of jam packed again at the top of that leaderboard yeah. again this year. So. I think we're in for another uh, another interesting second half for sure. It will be a difficult thing to do to repeat what happened last year, where again there was like uh, four of the four of the team, four or five of the teams, or maybe even six actually, um, right up until even after Christmas, there was a six teams 
that were still in contention and still needed to be uh, considered for who was going to essentially run away with it. Yes, in the end, you could have predicted it and you could you kind of saw the terrain, but mathematically, all those teams were still in it. So it made the, this, the whole season last year to be very, very special because we've, I don't think we've ever seen a season like that before, and I'm not sure we can. The, you're right, though. Right now, it's kind of shaping up, shaping up a little bit to be like that, but I don't think you'll see the same thing where you've got six teams because in the end, if my team continues to find ways to win, fine, then I'm in the mix. So you got you, you got my team, you got the Apocalypse, you got Royals, and you got the Buccaneers. So that's five. Um, that's basically it. I don't necessarily see, unless something drastic happens to the Pond Hogs, Demons, and Cougars, I don't see them necessarily, maybe even the Bucks. That's the other thing, too. The Bucks have a very good team. Their record doesn't necessarily reflect that. Again, they were robbed last week um, by a team that just happens to be playing even better. Um, lights out. Lights out. Yeah. Like, there's, there's no stopping Scott at this point other than himself. Um, so the Bucks could have easily won that. They would have beaten any other team last week had they played against anybody else. So the Bucks still have one of the best teams in the league for sure. Um, so anyways, it, it's it's shaping up to be quite the interesting season already. And we're only four weeks in. No, so it's like we'll see. Every, every week is such an important week, especially with us. Because, I mean, you only got the 26 or 27 throughout the year, That's right? right? Yeah. So. Every every little every little one matters. That makes mid, matter. Makes sorry. I was just gonna say one more thing. That makes the mid season that much more important, though. That's a big deal right now. It's really gonna separate. So us. So now we're gonna bring you our beauties and the beast. <sighs> and speaking of a beauty, oh, man, this guy, oh, holy crap, Tage Thompson. So we've touched on this guy over the past couple of weeks here, but he finally makes it into the into one of our beauties. Six six, two hundred and twenty pounds, man. The guy's twenty five years old. In 12 games played, seven goals, eight assists for 15 points. He's at a plus one, and he's playing 1739 time on ice. I'd like it'd be interesting to see if he ends up getting a little bit more. Like if he was to get another minute or so, eight, and then he ends yeah, up at yeah. like 1839. I, I, you got to wonder, right? Like he's doing all right with that time yeah. as it is. So hey, may, maybe that's exactly where he should be. Regardless, the big hulking winger is certainly living up to that big contract that he signed in the offseason. Yeah. He, along with Darlene, have the upstart Sabres playing some of the best hockey we've seen from this franchise in years. Currently centering the first line, as well as power play one, he's making the best use of his ice time under coach Don Granato and becoming quite the force along with Alex Tuck. They're calling them the Twin Towers, right? Oh, they are? Nice. So, That's yeah, good. and we talked about it. I think it was last week we talked about it, or maybe the week before. I mean, you know, Tage, Tage himself is 6'6". Six, six. You got 6'4", six, 6'3", six, for uh, Alex Tuck. Yeah. Like, and both of these guys can pretty, well, like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, Tuck is an absolute speedster, oh. and Thompson, Thompson can move for a big guy like that. Yeah. So, and I mean, and I'm sorry, that slap shot from the half wall <laughs> that he has, has put in the net a couple of times... That thing's got some weight to it, man. Like it is heavy. So you know what? I I, I hope I hope for Kev, particularly for Kevin Adams. I hope that this continues because if it does, that's going to be quite the signing. He signed that seven year, yeah. fifty million dollar contract uh, in the off season. So it was a, it shocked a few people, but as the production is, is currently right it's now, a steal. That, I'd be more I'd I'd be more than fine with that. So no problems there whatsoever. No. Next up, Eric Carlson. We're turning back the clock, Ooh, brother. Man. In in a big, big way. I mean, I look, I, I think most could see a potential uptick in production like whenever this. Burns like went this. over to Carolina Stop. in the offseason. No way. Not like this. Not at look all. Look at man. the time on ice. I mean, he, I, the guy. 
six foot, 190. He's 32 years old. I mean, he's up there, but he's 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 bringing it back. Oh, yeah. 14 games played, 10 goals, nine assists for 19 points. And I do have to um, mention that in our particular league, those 10 goals are doubled. So basically, the guy's sitting at 20, not 29 points in our league, which, by the way, would be good enough to lead the entire league, if I'm not mistaken. That's why Scott's winning so, so damn much. Exactly. I mean, this guy is definitely uh, is definitely making a, a move for him. I mean, tops in the league right now, top score. Oh, he is a beauty in the truest sense of the word, for sure. Yeah. I mean, 24, 56. The guy's playing almost 25 minutes a night that's, for god's sake that's sakes. a lot and i didn't I mean, see that coming no neither did i and i mean i'm sure that that's definitely helping with the production for sure you just i don't know if i necessarily want it that high all year long you know what i mean you're right like maybe shave a minute maybe shave a minute a minute and a half off yeah. that uh, maybe a minute i mean he can he can still handle it if he can that's wheels, right so. that's the thing though he does have some injuries in like lately in the last two or three years of his career mm-hmm. um he's been sort of that's bitten by that exactly really. that's why i'd be reluctant to continue to pile on that 24 minutes per game like if he's asking for it i get it and you kind of want to give it to him but what does that spell for down down the down the road eventually that's going to catch up to anybody 25 minutes is a lot to play for 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 anybody so it's and at this point i think in his career carlson i think that's too much now this next player marty the time on ice that he has you're you're gonna (laughs) think that that's sick and not and not in a good way it's wrong the next guy up that I have, my third beauty, is Jason Robertson. 6'3", 200 pounds, 23 years old. In 12 games played, he's got 8 goals, 10 assists for 18 points. He's a plus 9. Marty, he's doing all of this and he's not even playing 17 minutes a night. So weird. He's playing 1640. 1640. That's so weird. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, I mean, and, and and to think like some of the top forwards in the league, you're looking at like... 19 19 and a half yeah. maybe kind of just under 20 yeah, exactly. minutes can you imagine can can you imagine an extra three minutes for this oh, guy boy. like production wise anyway i mean so first things first robertson has been on an absolute tear to begin the year i personally have to admit that i did not see this production coming this quickly with the fact that he wasn't in training camp and he signed True. late in the whole nine yards so but he's a real deal. That's it, what this means. It, it listen, means he's the real deal. Exactly. Like this guy kept himself in some really good shape and it didn't take very long for him to, to get up to speed, obviously. So somewhere along the line, he, he was keeping up with it, even though he wasn't with the team. So, you know what? He's firmly entrenched on the first line alongside Hintz and Pavelski. Uh, and it, on his usual spot on power play one as well. So I, I see no reason not to roster this player every week. Like this is the type of guy that even if we had two games in, in our schedule, Marty, in our uh, pool, you still may want to put him in there. Yeah. You, I mean, he's just he's just that That's good. That's right. Um, I'm sure many GMs are asking themselves how in the hell Jim Nill got away with highway robbery. I mean, for God's sakes, the guy signed him for four years at 31 million. It's... And if I'm not mistaken, I think that's something like 7.142 oh or something like that. AAV. It's re- it's ridiculous. Uh, the contract is going to age like a fine wine and Robertson will greatly outplay his current deal. 100%. That is that's money. That's money in the bank. Yeah. Money in the Wait bank. Wait till his next contract though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of a lot of money and not producing, we have my beast. And it kind of hurts because I really like this guy. I I really like this player. It kind of sucks to put him in the beast, but we are talking about Jonathan Huberto. 6'1", 200 pounds, 29 years old. In 10 games played, he only has the one goal, four assists for five points. He's a minus two, 
and this was shocking to me. 1652 time on ice. Yeah. Like, you're talking about a guy who scored 115 points last year, and he's not even playing 17 minutes. It goes to show you the type of mentality that Sutter has for that team. No one guy is going to be getting anywhere near 20 minutes, so that's Mm -hmm. not happening. But, I mean, look, it has not been the start that Huberto was looking for to begin his Flames tenure. Uh, he's been given ample amounts of opportunity to find his game. But with this current little swoon that Calgary's in, I'm pretty sure that any leashes are going to be tightened up pretty good here over the next week or so. He remains on, he remains on both the first line as well as on power play one, but with Sutter behind the bench, things can change quickly. Having said all of that, I do foresee him finding his game as he is too skilled a player to remain in this slump for much longer. Now, it, it this this is going to be an interesting case, and it, a lot of it has to do with uh, uh, Sutter. Yep. If he if he continues to give him a, a bit of a leash here to to kind of find his game, I mean, Marty, one hundred and fifteen points. This guy knows how to put pucks in the net, and this guy knows how to how yep. to produce. So I, I I foresee that coming down the line, but. It, if if you and I are talking and we're like halfway through the year, or just past way ha- halfway through the year, and he's still sitting around this like sixteen fifty two, and he's not really much above seventeen minutes, I think that's going to affect his production. Yes, in, in the obvious way, I have less time, but you have to remember, and I, and actually, I'd have to double check it to be to be sure. But something tells me that this guy was pushing eighteen, eighteen and a half, nineteen minutes out there in Florida with Barkov. So he's getting somewhere at the very least a solid two minutes less ice time per game. So his rhythm may be a little bit off due to that. I uh, would, that's I'm exactly where I sure. would go with that. It, it, I would say that the, not having those extra minutes is what's messing with him right now. Because for, for as much as <laughs> you're right, like uh, from, from Captain Obvious perspective, you know, less time on the ice means less opportunity to move the puck around. But there's a lot of players that kind of rely on those extra minutes that actually work into their momentum, work into their rhythm. And that's, I think that's Jonathan Hubero because you're right, last year, you want to take a guess how many minutes he's lost since last year? How many minutes has he lost since last year? I'm going to say for the sake of saying that he was probably going to say he was a little over 20 minutes. So he's probably lost three minutes. He has lost three minutes. He, He used to be 1925. He's now 1652. Okay, so he's we're going to round around here. So he's basically lost three minutes per game. That's a lot. That is a lot of minutes to have lost because that's both on the power play and on even strength. That's So that's affecting his overall game. Um, he is leading up into this season on average, like a quick average in Florida. He was averaging, yep, safe to say, I'm going to say 18 minutes, maybe 17 and a half. So for a career, he's averaged more than what he's getting out of the gates in Calgary. So he's not used to this. And I can guarantee you, back when he, wherever he used to play before, because he was a high prospect, he definitely averaged more than what he's currently doing in Calgary. So it's fine if that's what you want to do as a team. You want to balance things out. You want to have those numbers a little bit lower. That's okay. That means that player... Hopefully, he was told about this plan before he signed that like that eight-year contract, and that management and the coaching staff understand that it's going to take him a while 
to adjust his game to fit into that 16 and a half or 17 minutes because that's a big deal. So hopefully everybody is aware that everybody's on the same page. Hopefully this wasn't a surprise. Hopefully this isn't Suter saying, you know, fuck this kid. I, you're not playing the way I like you. Sit the fuck down. Like, hopefully that's not what's going on. Because if that's what's going on, guess who's going to leave? It's not going to be Hoover, though. Well, I'd have to I'd have to imagine with that contract, the leash is going to be pretty, pretty well, pretty loose in regards to, to, to yeah. his production. So... I, I I have to imagine Sutter knows what he's what he has in him, and he's going to give him all the opportunity yeah. that, that he can. But you do have to win some hockey that's games here at some point too. Yeah. So that's why I say, like, over the next little bit here, if things kind of don't be, switch around, yeah, exactly. we're going to have a little bit of trouble exactly here. Trouble. Yeah. Um, all right. So leading into my beauties, we're going to start off the top here with a guy who used to be on my team, who used to be something of a special player, Jamie Ben. Is there really, and this is a really nice surprise. So now before getting into all those stats, I'll just say that Ben seemingly had fallen into a leader role, meaning he wasn't relied upon to drive the offense anymore. So currently, though, he's playing on a third line even strength, but he is getting top line power play. So it seemed that he was destined for another ho-hum season. And by that, I mean somewhere in the realm of like 45, 50 points. And that's kind of where he's landed in the last few seasons. But what would have been actually would have been his fifth season in a row after that since his last really offensive productive season that season he actually landed somewhere in the 75 points i believe so now the numbers four goals seven assists in 12 games and lately it's eight points in his last five games on the back of a hattie on saturday so it feels good to see him back here ride him while he's hot because it's i don't think it's actually gonna last very long but for now it seems that jamie ben has actually kind of rediscovered himself a little bit jamie ben always gave me eric Lindjo's vibes you know a big player with some nice hands could really move around and you know drop the gloves when needed to and get in the corners and get a little bit dirty and dig in a little bit harder and that was jamie ben and he like he kind of always played that role then all of a sudden something happened. His offense just wasn't clicking anymore. I think it was more the team around him that wasn't clicking anymore. And things just sort of were left there. Thankfully, he has a place in Dallas as a leader on and off the ice. I believe he is their captain. Um, and he's got a great way. Got a, he has a great and very important role on that team. It's just really nice to see that he's got a little bit of that offense clicking up, clicking for him again right now. So it's nice. Well, the way I see the stars, right? I kind of mentioned uh, uh, Seattle picking up Burakovsky and picking up yeah. uh, Bjorkstrand in the offseason and how that kind of is complementing their nice younger players, right? Well, with with I feel you kind of have the same thing in Sege and Ben. Yes, a little bit more uh, higher yes. in regards to contracts, <laughs> uh, money-wise anyway, for those two players. Uh, but what you have is they are now not your primary offensive drivers. It's that yeah. first line of Pavelski, Robertson, and yeah. uh, R- Rupe Hintz. So now these guys can fall a little further back, a little less defensive awareness from other teams. They can maybe take advantage of it. So, it, it, again, it, it's having people – we talk about it a lot yeah. when it comes to defense, right, Marty? Having – you know, you, you you put a guy in and it just – it slots everybody in the right areas, right? Well, you're kind of doing the same thing with Ben and and, and Sege. I know they've been kind of up and down second and third line. But you know what? It, it DeBoer is probably – I would have to imagine he he's trying to match his lines yeah. up, right? I mean – then he knows he's going to get the defensive matchups with that first line. So now you take advantage with Ben and Sagan still yeah. being able to produce in a second or third yeah. or triary role. You're now able you're now able to kind of hide them a little bit, and you get you get things like Ben getting that Hattie there on, over the weekend. 
where I mean that was completely for sure, yeah, surprise for everybody, right? But not so not I just entirely. Think, I just think yeah, the starters are in a really good place for, for as much as it's a nice surprise. We're going to say that about Jamie Ben getting a Hattie. It's not out of the realm of expectations, I mean, the, though. Every once in a while, the, your Segas and your Bens should be getting those yeah. Hatties every once in a while, and that's balanced out on your second and third lines. So that means you've really spread out the offense because you can obviously you can expect a certain level of success from the top line, and that's sort of uh, consistent because those players are consistent. Your Rupe Hints and your uh, Robertson and your Pavelski, you know what you're getting with yep. them. They've done it long enough that you can sort of bank on that, and that's fine. But to have that balanced out on the second and third lines where you've got your Segain, you got Marchments out there doing really well as well with Segain, and you got Ben thrown in there as well. And then the fact that they still got him on the top power play too, it's a big deal. It keeps that offense for him going. It keeps that that drive for him alive. And that it, it, whatever offensive skills that he does have continues on with that power play. And that really helps him out. And I think that's a big deal. So keeping him on that first power play, I think is a, it's crucial for him and the team to have success. Uh, so moving right along, Nikita Kucherov. Now, this is a bit of an easy one. At some point, he has to be in this. So why not do it now? Um, and it's funny how I, I tend to t- kind of take for granted that we're living in the Kucherov greatness. He's just so consistent, and you can set your watch to his numbers year in and year out. Like right now, he's up to 20 points in 12 games and not really making any noise about it, right? Like we're sitting here talking about your Jamie Benn getting a hat trick and he's up to, what is it, like 11 points in 12 games? 20 points for Kucherov in 12 games, 6 goals and 14 assists on 41 shots on goal, 10-game point streak. There's hardly anyone better in the league, so expect this to continue because this is just what Kucherov does. But it's really, I do really feel like, I don't know why, but in my in my mind, I feel like Kucherov, we're kind of all taking him for granted. He's one of the greatest players to ever play the game, and he'll go down as one of the best ever. And we don't, I feel we don't talk about him enough because I think it's just, we take it for granted. Tampa's a great team. He's... He's surrounded by great players, and he himself is a great player. So why bother spending too much time to talk about it? Well, because what he's doing is fucking special, man. Like, year in and year out to be... And let's not forget, he's finishing off a season where he had a major injury that potentially could have been something uh, career-ending for a lot of other players, at the very least to the tune of where it alters how you play the game. For Kucherov, not so much. He doesn't miss. He doesn't miss a beat. It doesn't matter the injury. It doesn't matter the time. It doesn't matter. You want to shorten the season. Doesn't matter. I'll be Kucherov, hands down, every single time I step on the ice, and that's what I love about him: is consistent greatness. Unless he, unless he's injured, this is the definition yeah, of yeah. set it and forget it. Like, like if he is healthy, there's that's it. the points are coming. Like it's just okay. Put it. That's that's the end of it. I know. I know the points are coming. How yeah. many that week? We don't know, but. I mean, he, he literally is a set it and forget it guy. It's funny because I we'll mean, talk about the greatest players, you, you, the you, greatest players in the league. We there's always a conversation, and the names that come up are usually you know Dryside or sorry McDavid, Drysaddle, Matthews, um, and then you get some lingering names here and there. I don't know why Kucherov isn't there instead of Matthews. Yes, Matthews is the considered purest goal scorer in the league. But in my opinion, when you talk the greatest players in the league, it should legitimately be McDavid. Dreisaitl and Kucherov and nobody else. Those are the top three. 
that I would, if I'm building a team, I start with those top three and then I don't give a shit who else I'm putting on the team because I'm winning every game after that. It doesn't matter. Could you imagine a line? Kucherov, McDavid, and Dreisaitl? Like, that's disgusting. He's Kucherov is better than 99% of the players out there in this league today, except for McDavid and Dreisaitl. That's it. And I'm not saying that he's not better than Dreisaitl. It's just that right now, I would it only maybe because of the injury bug on Kucherov that I would put him third in that top three, and that's it. But those are the three. I know McDavid. I sorry. I know Matthews gets a lot of praise and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know. You want to throw in some other players like Kane or Marchman or or sorry, Marshawn, not Marchman, <laughs> and some other players. But really, it's those three players in this league, and that's it. Stop talking. I mean, Kucherov himself is better than ninety percent of the league, even when he is injured, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, so yeah. So you know what? Like yeah. th- this guy is. This guy is Absolutely. money. That's all you need. Uh, so I and so I'll move on. Bo Horvat, who yes had that moment, that lapse of I don't know. Like maybe there was something on the ice or something as he was trying to swoon in for that shot and it just didn't work out. But so we're going to take, we're going to imagine that didn't actually happen and just going to move on. 10 goals on the season in 12 games is surprising to say the least, but Horvat has always had the talent. He's on a four game point streak and was on a three game, two goals per streak until that match against Nashville. Uh, so unfortunately in that game though, he still got a point on assists. So he's still leading a charge over there in Vancouver, which is nice to see. <laughs> Top line even strength and top line power play means he's good. Uh, he's as good a bet in Vancouver as any. So ride with him, and as long as Vancouver, you know, has, has is playing a game, Horvat will be a reason why they're scoring goals. Um, they've got a couple other guys that are pretty talented on that team as well. But for me, right now, Horvat is the reason why they're even sniffing at wins in that in, in, as as a team. Because with ten goals in twelve games. I mean, that's great. I really didn't see that coming from him or anyone really in Vancouver. But, you know, now's the time to write it because Vancouver is so sketchy. (laughs) Vancouver, and I mean, Horvat is definitely leading that team. I mean, as the uh, the captain, he's leading by example. I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's been a rough go out there. It's been a real rough go out there. Um, trying to find a bright light out there is difficult, but he's as, as bright as they can get. Well, things started to get pretty toxic, right? So, yeah. I mean, for him to be playing the way he's playing right now yep. with everything that's been going on. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty admirable, man. Like, I mean, 10 goals. It's inspiring like, for, for a team to be struggling on every other corner and, and to really be in the, in the, in the press in a negative way. Um, there's not enough attention being brought to the fact that he's got 10 goals in 12 games. Like, actually, I should have looked this up beforehand, but I wonder what that is in the league because he's got to be up. He's 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 got to be up there in the league. It's definitely up there for sure. Let me do something real quick, and I have to cut out this little moment because there's going to be some dead air in here. But right now, I'm really, I really, I'm kicking myself for not figuring this out before. Uh, so stats, he's, and then he's got to be up there pretty good anyway. I'm gonna guess he's third in the league. And he is, he is third in the league. Yep. Tied for second. Sorry. Which is weird because he's tied with Carlson. (laughs) With, with everything going on with that, with that team to see him play that way though. Yeah. I mean, as, as your captain and the guy that you're kind of looking up to, I mean, you're, you're hoping for the best when it comes, when it comes to that. And he's giving you his best. Absolutely. Speaking of not giving your best though, Jordan Bennington. So the funny thing is I, is I had him 
uh, as part of my beauties for last week's show, but then switched to Vancheck because the Blues had just started their losing streak. So I felt Benny was showing signs of regressing back to his old ways of last year. And the rut has cost him last year. It cost him that job. And quite frankly, if he's not careful this year, it could happen again. Um, so in his last five games... Uh, it leaves them with a 3.44 goals against and an 8.55 save percentage. So I would imagine they'll start going to Greece a little bit more often. And Greece has done this before. He's done it in uh, it, for the Islanders and for Detroit, where he just sort of runs with the starting job. And he is that kind of goalie who could actually do that. And I'm not suggesting we're going to see another Vilhuso situation, but Bennington and St. Louis need to be careful with this because... If Bennington doesn't figure this out, and God damn it, if this isn't a broken record moment right now, but if Bennington doesn't figure this out, then St. Louis has got, like you said earlier, a major decision to make because I don't think it, I don't think the contract adds up at all anymore, and you're better off buying him out for whatever the hell it costs and finding another way. I don't know what they've got in their system. I don't know if they've got another younger goalie that can sort of reach into, um, but it's going to feel really bad for them to have to let go of Bennington when they also just had, they had the answer in Huso. Like imagine if Huso was still on the team right now, they would have gone to him by now and the team would have righted the ship and Bennington would have lost a starting job again. But because it's grace, they're sort of apprehensive to go to him. Greece can do it again, though. Greece could do it for this team. If they were to give him maybe, let's say, two or three starts in a row, I think that's what would end up happening, and then Bennington would be on the outside again looking in. That would mean the end of Bennington in St. Louis, in my opinion. I think that's what that would mean. Maybe they would give him one more chance, like next year kind of thing, because, again, last year he came around during the playoffs and then kind of righted the ship for them in that moment. Still didn't really end up doing anything at the end of the day, but... I don't know, man. I, I, cause it, it, the biggest thing for me is that I don't understand how this happened, why this happened, why it's still happening, where Biddington went from literally one of the best goalies in the league to one of the most consistently underperforming goalies in the league, one that you cannot trust anymore. Is that safe to say? Can you, you can't trust him anymore? No, at you this can't. Point? I mean, with, with last year and what he's done this year, the blues are in such a bad spot, man, because you've got so much money invested in him. Like you are going to let like talking about leashes being long, this Mm -hmm. leash will be fairly long. And what I, and if for no other reason, because of the money they invested in him, but there is going to be a tipping point at some point. Yeah. I mean, three forty four, eight fifty five. Like, that's you're, a, you're making it quite you're making it quite difficult for a, a general manager or somebody in the organization to fight for you. Like it, you're making it, it difficult to fight for you, and you're making it easy to find someone else. And that's a bad yes. combination. Like at least if you were hovering hovering around the 900 save percentage, and maybe you're at 301 instead of 344, you can have an argument. There's no argument with 344 and 855. There's there's nothing there to hold your hat to. Yes, he's got the one shutout. Um, but that came early and that left early. There's nothing left here. So it, it's difficult to, like you said, it's difficult to justify keeping and, and him. And like in I 19. say, the Blues are in such a bad spot, right? Because like we just mentioned, the contract and the money behind it and the investment uh, in that player. But also with the fact that the Blues are in win now mode, like yeah. the Blues aren't an up and coming team. The Blues aren't <laughs> this young Ottawa Senators type of team. This is a team that won the cup in 2019. We're three years out now. In, in starting our fourth year away from this cup from them, and 
I mean, if he, I, I just, I don't know what happens to this team if this goaltender cannot find his game. Barry Trotz, that's what happens. It, it, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it, hey, listen, I mean, for for all we know, I mean, that, that could be the move too. So it's, it's, you, you I just am, don't know. I'm saying him more because of the style of coach, uh, sorry, the coaching style he brings mm-hmm. to the team more than anything else. Yeah. I feel like that's maybe the direction this team needs to go in. Again, it's not on the coach. Uh, this is really not necessarily a coaching thing. Um, I do think they have all the right pieces in all the right places except for in goal. And I think that's the bigger, bigger problem there. But sorry. That is a problem. The bigger problem with that, though, is the contract that's attached to Bennington. And that's why you would see a coaching change before you would see anything else. Because you have to give Bennington a fourth, a fifth, a sixth chance. Yep. That investment is just too big not to. So maybe that's why you end up looking at a different coaching system. Uh, maybe you just have a conversation with the coach and you say, listen, can we try doing something a little bit more defensive and seeing if that gets us anywhere? And then you try to ride that out. Um, but uh, I don't know. My gut tells me that this is a problem that Bennington lives with for as long as he's in St. Louis. Maybe it's a change of scenery that really changes uh, changes his game. Well, something's got to change because I can tell you right now, St. Louis is on pins and needles and... They, they know the type of team they know the they know the type of team they have and the best part about it is they do have like Cairo and, and, yeah. and Robert Thomas. They, there are some young pieces that are coming up the pipe there yeah. and solid pieces there. I mean, we're talking seventy point players here. Yeah. So they've got a well built team. Like, it's just not nets. It's like, you know, Jordan, we're gonna need you to kind of figure this out here, man, because <laughs> a lot yeah. is hinging on what he can or cannot do. So absolutely, yeah. You know, if you're St. Louis Blues fans, I would suggest that you mm. cross both your fingers, cross your toes, and cross anything else that you can cross because, man, oh, man, you need a little bit of luck right if now. If you're into God, then do some praying because, yeah, you need to, <laughs> you need something going on there because it ain't working. And, uh, well, yeah. Do better. Yeah. <laughs> and there you go. That's it. Season or episode four in the books. Thanks, everybody. In the books. It's well, uh, it's well in the books. Thanks to everyone out there for listening. If you're interested in reaching out to us, you can email us at two guys, a league, and some guests at gmail.com. You can find our latest episodes at anchor.fm slash Or you can follow us on Twitter where you can find all of our info. Our handle is at Tugalag. That's the number two, followed by G-A-L-A-G. Don't forget to like, follow, and share. Thanks for listening, and until next time.